Since 2009, River Rock has been a leader in Colorado's cannabis community. We respect the cannabis plant and our customers by producing the highest quality lab-tested cannabis products and overseeing the cultivation and manufacture of our products from seed to sale. River Rock operates two strategically located medical and recreational dispensaries in Denver, offering a full range of cannabis flower, hashish, shatter, wax, oils, edibles, and cannabis-infused products, including creams, vaporization cartridges, pills, topical patches, and beverages. We work every day to educate the world about cannabis and its role in a healthy lifestyle. That's River Rock Cannabis. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering wine, beer, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wee Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 order for all the parties you're planning on having and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. I'm AJ Hayfley alongside Andre Simone. We are here. Oh, yes. On a Friday as we uh, transition into off-season schedule. Back to Fridays, baby. Yeah. Andre, we're going to talk about quarterbacks today, which I feel like we've done before. Yeah, I was going to say, since we haven't really done that much so far, we figured we'd finally dive into the quarterbacks for you guys. Absolutely. They've been uh, underrepresented in, a, in our show mm-hmm. here. So mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And, and on we go, and down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, – college football is over, buddy. Oh, don't even. I mean, so it's bad. done for the year. We're, we're set. We're, oh, we're done. I know. Until August. Yeah. We will not be talking about games. We'll be talking about games, but they're games that happened uh, in the past. Right. Yeah. And the long so, time ago. Fun, uh, fun national championship game. Uh, I mean, for me anyway, just because it turned out the way I wanted it to. Everyone told me that. I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of bummed it hasn't been more competitive. <laughs> but I guess I'm in the minority. Um, well, I mean, it was just everybody. I, I think certainly where I was, I was just expecting Bama to punch back because they've spent 10 years doing that. 100%. Well, they're all. I was telling Kate um, while we watched the game, like the beauty of Bama is when they go up big, you can never count them out because they never get blown up. Like it's kind of the beauty of seeing the big favorite go down. Is in the back of your head, you're always thinking of, oh, when are they going to make a run and get close? And it did not happen. That. Uh, well, right. Like, had it been thirty-one to sixteen in like the Citrus Bowl, like you would have been like, "Oh, that game's probably over." Yeah, hundred percent. But because it was Bama, yes, yeah, you were like, "Ah, we'll hang out for a bit." Right, and it's Bama against a freshman quarterback. Like you figured, sooner later, Trevor Lawrence must show that he's just nineteen years old, right? And well, and and. Ooh. Halftime adjustments, Nick Saban's coaching, 
Right. Uh, the fact that Nick Saban got out coached in a national championship game is is the part where I'm just like, what? It's incredible, especially because you know that both those programs are spending like whether it's with their team or it's just the coaches messing around. They'll spend a solid week like scouting the other and being like, okay, what could we do different if the season ends up to where we go head to head with these guys again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were the better team, the better coach team, the more talented team. The the team that like was ready for the moment. It was just all things shocking. that we always say about Alabama uh-huh. every year in all the big matchups, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. So to see to see Clemson do what they did, uh, and then how they did it. Yeah. It was it was fun. It was fun in a different way. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's get into uh, promised quarterbacks. Uh, we've we've got three that we're going to talk about because they definitely had uh, bowl games in which they certainly helped their stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't have Daniel Jones on the list, although he did have. We, uh, we talked know. about him already. I forget if you were on that show or not, but we did touch on Senior Daniel Jones. Oh, you were on the show. It's when we broke down Locke. And I went off about his, you know, release being backloaded and how that gives him issues with mm-hmm. consistency and accuracy and especially in tight windows. You worry about that and you wonder if he has the arm power to overcome like throwing from awkward platforms, which I think it's fair to say he does. <clears throat> yep. I think it's very fair to say. But we've got three guys that we're going to run down here um, that uh, – will either uh, have either declared for the draft or are expected to. Yeah. So let's, let's oh. start at the top here with, uh, with, with Haskins, you know, Dwayne Haskins did declare for the draft. He declared a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, bowl game versus Washington. What you got for me, Dre? Yeah, I thought he played well, especially in the first half. He was pretty surgical. Uh, you know, Ohio state in general made the game too close by the end of it, and their defense allowed, uh, what's his name, Jake Browning, to go off and uh, play better than I've really ever seen Jake Browning in a game where he's against uh, a top-tier defense with real NFL talent. But it did mark yet another amazing game for Haskins against top 25 defenses. Uh, You know, he now has 20 touchdowns, two interceptions, an average of 331 yards per game and an 87 uh, QBR in the six games in which he played against top 25 defenses. I'd venture to say that's more than any other quarterback has had this season, and uh, that's pretty amazing. I mean, we all know about Byron Murphy. Uh, That secondary for Washington also has Taylor Rapp, one of the top safeties in the class. They have another great corner um, who, to me, is kind of the Akello of this class, uh, like long, lanky. I'm blanking on his first name, but Miller something. Um, And there are other safeties talented as well. So it's really one of the top secondaries in the country. He looked efficient, looked accurate, took what the defense gave him, and was somewhat able to unleash the arm, though it wasn't necessarily at the level of what he did against Michigan, where he just torched that defense in an overwhelmingly impressive game. But it just adds to his resume. I mean... The kid has shown incredible growth uh, from when he started the year. And, you know, we had some concerns in 
uh, the TCU game, and I forget what other game early on where it was, oh, Penn State probably, right? Where it was like, ah, he's really just completing lateral throws, nothing's really vertical. And when it was, his wide receivers bailed him out with great plays. Uh, That hasn't been the case. He's been making outstanding throws. His accuracy is insane. His deep ball accuracy is really promising. Prototypical frame and arm and a prototypical uh, pocket passer, which we don't really say that much nowadays. And I think it's huge for this draft class that he declared. We have our QB1 in this group, and that's, that's big. I mean, that raises the level of the entire class significantly, and it'll force teams who don't have a shot at Haskins to still have decent prospects down at their pick because now Haskins is gone. It's, it just has a major trickle-down effect. All right. P.S. Um, oh, my God, I just looked it up, too. The Washington kid. Oh, damn you. And and I totally I looked it up and then I completely blanked on it as soon as I started talking. Jordan Miller. Jordan Miller, yes, thank you. Yeah, talented kid. Talented kid. Yeah, I do. I do really like that secondary man. Oh, and, and outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I've you know I've talked about Byron Murphy on this on the show previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm you know for for Haskins to to go out like that. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, we 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 talk about the concerns about him being just the one year starter, but the way that he finished the season, man, is special. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, what he's done against top competition has been really, really impressive. Right, like this isn't this isn't a guy where you're like, oh, well, his his best game was against Indiana. Right, you no, know? far from it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I think is really what what has moved me towards being team Haskins mm-hmm. uh, is that, and, and being excited about him as a prospect was that he just got so much better as the year was going on. Yeah. And then every challenge that every, every big challenge that he faced uh, at near the end of the year, he just kept getting better and just kept getting better. And mm-hmm. uh, that to me, I mean, that's, that's exactly the, the exact opposite of Justin Herbert. Oh Yeah. Hundred percent, and and that's you know that's there's a reason to be excited about that guy. So right. very, I love loved Haskins. Um, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, we're already at ten minutes, so let's uh, let's let's roll through Kyler Murray. Yeah, it, it sounds like he's going to declare for the draft and at least test the waters. Uh, his game against Alabama very interesting. Yes. After Bama jumped out to what a twenty eight to nothing lead. Yeah, uh, exactly turned into a real football game. Yeah, and they ultimately ended up scoring. Oklahoma did on their final six possessions, I believe, which against Bama is, uh, I mean, that's impressive. And um, you know, he led the team in rushing too. On top of going off for over three hundred passing yards, he also ran on Alabama for over a hundred, um, which I think is an important sign of. Does that athleticism translate against NFL-level talent? Uh, The answer is yes, it sure does. You know, if you're wondering, can he get away with scrambling the way he has in college against NFL talent, just go back to watch that Alabama tape. That should tell you a lot. Um, 
now the what was disappointing was their O line struggled. Uh, they didn't show up. The Marquise Brown not being in the game definitely hurt them. And you know, I think for the first time all year, Rodney Anderson's injury hurt them. Um, so you know, ultimately Oklahoma look outmanned, and the only we knew the only way they would win or give Bama a fighting a real fight would have been in a shootout and they just got rolling a little too late on offense for that to be the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, But still he made, um, I I'd say it's probably his worst game or his worst game since September when, you know, this is another first year starter and um, he, his, his play significantly improved as the year went on. Um, he's kind of the rare prospect I've ever studied who there's, there's not one negative game on his resume this season. He's five, nine. He's five, nine could be shorter. Um, and I wish there was an MLB combine. So we knew his measurements already as a sidebar. We've talked we've talked about quarterbacks uh, over the years. Um, six foot is kind of oh no, this guy's six feet tall. That's a problem. Yeah, he's five nine. Yep. Um, this is this is a huge leap. He will be the first and only of his kind at that size. Yep, hundred yeah. percent. Can he? All skills aside, because I think you and I are both believers in the talent. Yeah, and we did a massive segment on Kyler Murray, his decision to between baseball and football, a full-blown mm-hmm. scouting report and all of that. Um, that final thought on the Alabama game, as you were texting me, um, that one deep bomb touchdown he had where he escapes the pocket and lets it rip and overthrow, you know, is able to blow the top over the defense and throw it past two DBs and right in the bucket for his wide receiver was insane. Um, The kid has the arm to make all the throws and can make is amazing throwing it on the run or outside the pocket, but inside the pocket, he's pretty damn impressive too, especially at that size. So anyways, final caveat on Bama now, Nella, let's go. Let's go. What's your question? I just, can he hold up? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, that's the legitimate concern at that size because I think the, the height is less of a concern because we've seen him with the best offensive line in the country when pressure's bearing down and he can't get out the pocket and he's forced to kind of step up. He can make those really tough timing throws to the sideline where the ball placement is close to immaculate. So mm. height worries me less just because he's played with an NFL-sized O-line already and won the Heisman and torched every defense he faced. The weight is the bigger concern. Can he take a beating? Can he sustain? I would say that's less a concern now than it would have been 10 years ago or even five years ago because you can't really hit quarterbacks anymore. You can't hit them high. You can't hit them low. Sometimes you're going to get flagged for hitting them you know, right in the strike zone too. And he's so quick, so elusive that even against power five talent and look, power five talent might not have NFL, that NFL combination of size and athleticism, but they're still like plenty big and fast enough to hurt 
a guy that's 5'9", 195. But he's just been so elusive. He's really good at avoiding hits. I think that's where, more than anything, he reminds me of Russell Wilson, is in his ability to avoid contact and um, evade guys squaring him up and getting good licks on him. Now, Bama did have just a vicious lick on him early in the game, and um, it didn't help that his O-lineman as the D-lineman's going down is like pushing the O-lineman into him. Kyler's helmet came off, but, you know, he got back up and played good. Um, it's It's a concern, but I think it's a risk worth taking. I think that size concerns have become lessened in the NFL in the last few years with how the game's being played a little more. And the way that they're being protected at every turn, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. we don't we don't see those guys take as many big hits in the pocket. It's more of what happens when he starts running around. Yeah, yep. Um, that right. I'm I'm concerned about yep. there. Um, and when he runs okay, around, uh, I think he does a good job of like stepping out the sideline just at the right moment. And or once in a while, you'll see him do a nice slide. Which hey, don't forget, he was the ninth pick in the MLB draft. He knows how to slide. Right. Um, do we want to spend much time on Locke versus uh, uh, we should, Oklahoma State? I mean, we should mention it was his performance against Oklahoma State was pretty impressive, um, considered to be a mildly big deal from people on draft Twitter who maybe hadn't watched much of him or NFL Twitter who were spending just the holidays watching some bowl games and watched with intrigue, but clearly hadn't seen Locke. I think, um, you know, some of the concerns you expressed in the pod where we broke him down, um, he showed a nice combination of taking what the defense gives him, but also letting it rip and being a little less conservative. Um, the, a big storyline that came out of that game was he was throwing a lot of throws um, off his back leg which was something we talked about Daniel Jones, and I kind of reiterated at the top of this show. Um, The big difference between Locke and Daniel Jones is he can stay accurate. He can throw with um, great velocity in tighter windows, even when his um, weight is backloaded. And to me, that's one of the big signs of having truly, um, you know, high-end arm power for NFL standards. Uh, so I think that was kind of the big takeaway from Oklahoma State. But no, aside from that, I don't think we need to dwell on it too much. Yeah, it's just we've spent time on him, so I didn't want to totally. you know, yeah. continue to, to, to spend too much time on well-worn ground here. What I do want to get into, though, is a lot of a lot of conversations about why why go crazy in the 2019 draft when you can just wait for 2020? Yes. Yes. So let's let's get into that because uh there's some you know on the surface you're looking at Tua, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's always about Tua. Sure is. Yeah. But that game, I mean, we've seen two of the last three games from from Tua, some pretty real concerns cropped up. A hundred percent. I mean, for starters, he's a he's a true gunslinger, and he forced throws against Georgia and Clemson, and you know they're losing by the time he comes out of that Georgia game, 
and Clemson, they got beat. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say the loss is only on Tua, but he certainly shares a big part of the blame uh, for them losing in both those games while he was still on the field. Um, so, you know, I think it's easy to get enamored by the fact that you can watch Tua in Alabama on national TV every single week and that he's mm-hmm. at Alabama. He's got, you know, like nothing but uh, NFL running backs and wide receivers and tight ends and O-line and they smoke teams and he can be aggressive and really accurate and, you know, shows great timing and anticipation, but he can also be too aggressive. And you wonder if he was at another team, would he be as hyped? Um, And would he have more games like what we saw against Georgia and Clemson where he's down or he's playing poorly and turnovers are concerned. So, you know, this whole like, oh, he's a sure, you know, he's at that level of like Elway and Locke as a like surefire, guaranteed, I'm sorry, I said Locke, but meant luck. Uh, Surefire, guaranteed, like can't miss prospect at quarterback. I'd pump the brakes and, you know, we say it with Haskins and Murray. We got to say it with Tua, too. He's only started for one year. So no one, you know, unless I, um, you know, the settings on my time machine are wrong and someone can show me how to fix it, I don't know what's going to happen in the 2020 season. And it wouldn't be the first time that a guy gets hyped coming into the year and then kind of falls flat on their face. And all of a sudden, they're nothing special. Um, and you know, you could watch, look at any mock that's made in August and see who the top quarterback prospect is. And a lot of times it's the wrong guy. Uh, And so, you know, that, that could be the case with Tua too. So I think just assuming we know how good he is, we know how good he'll be. Look, I'm a huge fan of Tua. I don't want to knock him. I probably gun to my head would take him ahead of all the quarterbacks in this class, but that's not to say that'll still be the case a year from now. Okay. I think uh, with Tua, it's just we're all very excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, an advanced feel for the game, you know, great decision-making, blah, 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 blah. Like so many things to like. I mean, Minus those two games we just talked about, great decision making. Right. Yeah. Like it's hard to it's hard to you know, hey, biggest biggest test of his career, and he throws a pick six like three minutes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, the other the other guys we're gonna get into here, um, you know, twenty twenty, uh, Trevor Lawrence is actually a twenty twenty one, but again, one year starter. And freshman freshman quarterbacks have lied to us before. Uh, yeah. You know, Christian Hackenberg was top prospect. He was the top recruit in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes to Penn State, has a fantastic freshman season that he never repeats. Right, one year under Bill O'Brien, and everyone's like, "I've never seen a freshman this good in my life." Oh my god! Like, not only did that carry Christian Hackenberg, I think it carried Bill O'Brien pretty heavily too. 
yeah, to some extent, to some extent, though, uh, O'Brien's turned out a little better than Hackenberg, who I believe is already out the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so that's an issue. You know, Josh Rosen's freshman season was not repeated. Yep. Um, and, and while he had a nice career, you can easily make the argument that he was a top 10 pick largely because that freshman tape was just that good. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he showed some nice things last year too, but they were more flashes. I think if, if say, he was a first-time starter last year in his draft season and he played exactly the way he played without having had that freshman tape, yeah, he probably doesn't go in the first round. And then, you know, obviously we've seen uh, over the years, you know, we've seen – point is, freshman quarterbacks, let's let's – don't don't burn your team down trying to draft first overall in 2021 because Trevor right. Lawrence had a nice freshman year. Well, and here's the other thing. If Trevor Lawrence is amazing and keeps progressing, and look, against Alabama, he was absolutely incredible. It's not just the arm and the athleticism and the size. It's the poise against that type of defense that is just amazing for a 19-year-old. We're not trying to discredit him. We are trying not to. Not at all. We are trying to put some doubt, though, in these theories of forget 2019, just wait for 2020, or forget right. 2019, wait for Trevor Lawrence in 2021. Right. Um, and, you know, the whole like, hey, trade Vaughn Miller for more first round picks so that you can load up for, you know, 2021 stuff. Like, come on. Right. We're not, we're not, we're not entertaining that. Right. We live, we li- we're trying to live on planet Earth here, and this is, this is the, our approach to it. Right. Absolutely. Trevor Lawrence, great freshman year. Uh, You're not planning an NFL franchise around one guy two years from now. Right. And the other thing is, if he pans out the way we think and is that next, like, surefire, no-brainer first overall pick and, like, there is no chance he fails in the NFL, rare quarterback prospect, it it doesn't matter how many first-rounders you stacked up for 2021. The team drafting at one isn't trading out of that spot. Right. Like, that just like, doesn't happen. Indy, Indy was not going to trade out of drafting Andrew Luck, even if you gave them 10 first-rounders for the next 10 years. Right. And, P.S., they had Peyton Manning on their roster. Like, you know, so don't don't be coming at me with, oh, well, what if the team drafting in 2021 is, I don't know, the, I don't know, the, blank team that already has a quarterback. Well, if Lawrence is that good, they might just trade that quarterback and not even bother and build around Trevor Lawrence. Like, right. That might just be and the other, the other 2020 guys, uh, Justin Herbert was smart to go back to school. He would have been a oh, top yeah. quarterback prospect in this class, but it would have been one. He would have arguably had the most number of red flags, even if you count, uh, Drew Locke and Daniel Jones as first-round quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert would have been a guy that I would have been really uncomfortable with. Yeah, I definitely would have ranked him behind Haskins and Murray, and um, I think Herbert and Locke would have been neck and neck. Locke, Locke made much greater strides and was much more impressive to end the year, and I think has a better arm talent than Herbert, um, frankly. So I think the Locke-Herbert discussion would have been really nice. So you know, Herbert not being there does weaken this class, but it's not like we lost the consensus top quarterback in the class. Um, he would have been in the mix for a first round. He would have been in the mix to be one of the top three guys 
drafted in 2019. I don't mm-hmm. think, I mean, the him versus Haskins is a non-argument. And Herbert disappointed against Michigan State. It just continued in the bowl game as well, you know. Um, a Michigan State defense that, you know, at times hadn't looked that super uh, this season. And uh, Brian Lewerke actually outplayed Herbert in that game, which was super low scoring. So, I don't know. I mean, that should kind of tell you everything because no right. one's preseason hype has died off more than Brian Lewerke. Well, so. And and the other guys that we're talking about in that 2020 class, Sam Ellinger from Texas, uh, Jake Fromm from mm-hmm. Georgia. Like Jake Fromm absolutely looked like a college caliber game manager until the Alabama game, until the SEC championship, yes. where all of a sudden it was like, where has this guy been for two years? Right. And again, he made like three impressive throws and then kind of regressed to being the Jake Fromm so, we know and suspect of. And right. Ellinger, I'm really high on. They squared off in that bowl game, Texas against Georgia. And, uh, you know, Texas took it to him, but Ellinger wasn't all that impressive with his throws. Uh, he did more damage with the run. Again, projectable kid, impressive, but you, you're really projecting a lot. And Fromm did not look great. He looked like kind of a game manager who will take what the defense gives him. Um, and I thought it was interesting, you know, that Texas defense, which is not a top 50 defense in the country, um, and held Georgia and Fromm, who has an insane amount of NFL talent on that team and weapons, whether it's the O-line, tight end, wide receiver, running back. Um, That Texas defense, which does have some NFL talent of its own, held them to seven points in the first three quarters. That's a defense that Murray in two different games put over 80 points against. So, and uh, I guess you could argue Oklahoma has more talent in offense than Georgia, but it's it's an argument. It's not clear-cut. Like, Georgia has as much talent as just about anyone in the country. So Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, again, All of that is to say, get get why the getting's good. Yes, absolutely. If you're, if you're sitting there and you have the 10th overall pick and Kyler Murray's on the board, don't get cute. Do not. Yes. And, of course, interesting uh, interesting report from Woody Page yesterday, I guess, well, two days ago, because you'll be listening to this on Friday, is that um, when Elway and Kubiak went to see Locke in a live viewing, they would be, they were uh, very intrigued by him or very impressed. So who knows, maybe Locke's in there. But really, of the 2020 guys, I think Tua is the only guy I'd rank ahead of Haskins. And again, that would be an argument. That's not a surefire thing. And everyone else would be at best in the conversation with Locke to be the third best quarterback in 2019. So I know that the narrative early in the year was, you know, 2019 isn't a great quarterback class. 2020 is. I think those two classes have kind of gone in opposite directions as we've had other guys declare and mm-hmm. other guys not. So, you know, it's it's similar to me to this narrative that was out there um, up to a month ago where it was like, oh, John DeFilippo, the Vikings offensive coordinator, he's the best young up-and-coming coach available for teams. And then 
it's like, no, have you been watching the Vikings offense? They're actually kind of bad with him at the helm. And he eventually gets fired and then get interviewed for any jobs. Um, And, you know, so people who don't follow it as regularly as we do will end up having outdated takes. And I think that's a lot of what's going on right now is somewhat outdated takes on the, these quarterback classes for the next two years. And I've said it, I like the depth of this quarterback class as well. Um, in fact, I'm really happy to see, aside from Drew Locke, all guys and Daniel Jones, all guys we haven't mentioned on this podcast in a pretty loaded senior bowl class when I go to Alabama to, to start, scout those guys in a couple weeks. So uh, yeah, don't, don't sleep on this class. Um, I think you made a really good comparison. What were you saying this class compares to? The the quarterback class from two years ago. Right. Um, where, you know, Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes were, were all the guys. You know, where right. um, Haskins is kind of your Trubisky, and, and I see Kyler Murray as kind of your Pat Mahomes, yep. where it's going to be boom or bust. You're either going to get a huge, a huge flame out, and we're all going to be like, wow, how did that ever happen? Right. Or – that guy's going to turn into a superstar and he's going to take over the NFL. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So. And finding that the Sean comp we were talking about is kind of hard, but and you know, go, right. going into that It's kind of it's it's kind of Drew Lockish, like yeah, long kind of. careers, you know, kind of very been on the been on the the radar for a very long time. Right. Um you know, Locke just never quite reached the level of Deshaun. But yeah, right. That would be the guy that I would say is most like right. him. In a sense, Kyler is both Mahomes and Watson. Like he he kind of fills the voids for both of those. And you remember we were doing this show back then, and I was one of the few guys making mocks and mocking two quarterbacks in the top ten. Um, and it turned out we had three quarterbacks in the top twelve. Every you know Trubisky's getting booed by Bears fans. Everyone's saying uh, these guys are getting reached and stuff. And look, all those teams, <coughs> to a varying degree, are pretty happy with the quarterbacks they took. Even if I mean, she, all three of them went to the postseason. Right, absolutely. Um, so you can sit pretty and wait for that one guy who's a can't-miss guy, uh, or you can just do what all these other teams do. And, you know, even giving up extra draft capital to get your quarterback isn't the worst thing in the world because you save so much cap room, you can kind of make up for that loss of draft capital with added cap space. And if the quarterback is good and enticing, you will attract more free agents as well. So it kind of evens out at the end of the day, as it has for teams like the Texans and Chiefs and even Bears who traded up and gave away some valuable assets and I think all those teams would do that again. In fact, I know all those teams would do those trades again without even thinking once. So, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's just you lock down the quarterback position, man, and you're just done. Like, okay, great. Now you have your whole team to build beyond that. And the the reality in the NFL is, is if you don't have an answer to the quarterback question, whatever you do with the rest of the team just doesn't matter very much because right. you're not going anywhere. So this is certainly not going to be the last time we talk about uh, quarterbacks, even on this show, uh, but definitely not uh, in this this draft cycle. They've got a top 10 pick. There are going to be certainly two quarterbacks that I personally feel are worthy of that. Um, I guess Drew Locke is going to hang around in that conversation because somebody wants the next Blaine Gabbert, but that's fine. 
Um, I'll get you. You definitely consider me a hater. I'll get you. I'll get <laughs> you to come around to Drew Lock maybe at some point. Ugh. I've had four years to do it and it hasn't happened. Um, let's go ahead and take our first break here. This segment has run very long, but it was by far our most important one yes. uh, to get to today. So we wanted to get to all of the things we had uh, on the rundown. Dre, let's go ahead and uh, take a quick reset and we'll be right back. This is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Total Beverage. There's nothing more important than family, and for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers New World Life Insurance Company and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones. What makes us different, first off, is we're we're completely customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young. I'm 31 years old, and so I'm I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to continue to make this agency grow, and and that's just something that, you know, I I think that I bring that a lot of other agents do. My initial thought was it's expensive and I just don't have money to invest in my long-term future. Everything I have, I need right now. But once I started looking at the options, it's an absolute no-brainer. You can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should. It's not just about death either. There's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on. So Bryce will break all of that down for you for free. The call is a no-brainer. You have to do it. Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners. I'm going to go ahead and send out a $10 Starbucks gift card right right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. gives us an opportunity to earn their business. Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509. Welcome back in. Segment number two here, the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. Presented by Total Beverage. I am AJ, he is Andre, we are us, and we are hanging out here. Going to talk about some classic winners and losers from the bowl season. Yeah. Um, Let's just start with guys from Clemson, because there's a lot of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Fair, fair. I mean, I'm looking at this list, and it's like half Clemson, dude, so... It kind of is very uh, Clemson and Florida dominant, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. Actually, now that I'm I'm looking at it, there's... <laughs> it's basically Clemson and Florida and then one other dude. I guess I hadn't even considered that. Well, my bad. <laughs> Hashtag bias. There you go. Um... So winners from Clemson, we've got Clellan Farrell, Austin mm-hmm. Bryant, Trayvon Mullen. Yeah. Yeah, the two defensive ends for Clemson were really impressive, um, dominant in the Notre Dame game. I mean, to the point where the Irish couldn't do anything. Um, and Bryant, maybe more than Farrell. Um, and Farrell's just such a phenomenal uh, all around defender. He's just so solid. And, you know, put Jonah Williams on skates and one play in that Bama game, though I thought Jonah Williams held his own pretty nicely. Um, I was going to say the same. Mm-hmm. We That was like a big thing we were watching going into yeah. it, and I thought Jonah Williams actually had a pretty yeah. respectable effort. Yep, absolutely. Um, and wasn't really tested against Oklahoma. So he finished the season off strong. And to, to hold your own against Farrell, 
I think should go a long way in him consolidating his spot as the top offensive tackle in the class. Um, and, you know, a, a guy who could play on the blind side too. Trevon Mullins, the interesting guy. We have definitely mentioned him at points this season um, as one of those guys who's in the mix to be, uh, you know, after our consensus top three cornerbacks, it's kind of him and Julian Love were that next tier. Um, I was a little disappointed with him in that uh, game against Notre Dame, the national semifinal. He gets mm-hmm. called for a PI. He allowed another um, decently long throw down the sideline, uh, but played phenomenally against Alabama, uh, gets himself a big interception, uh, was physical filling against the run, you know, has all the length and speed combination you want i need to watch more of him he just wasn't tested much this year i need to watch more of him um, to see how he transitions in and out of breaks to get more of a feel for uh, how fluid his hips are that's my one concern but he has come out and um, declared for the draft i know this because i follow dwayne haskins on twitter now and dwayne haskins liked trayvon mullen's tweet declaring for the draft haskins is a good twitter follow by the way um which um, un- unlike Ryan, that will not raise his stock for me, but uh, it's still still worth <laughs> mentioning out there. Uh, <laughs> um, so no, I shot think, across the bow there. Oh hey, I'm sure he takes it as a compliment, you know. Um, so there's kind of your your Clemson talk on the good side. Do you want to do some some losers for Clemson too, or or names to know, or, or no, are we going I'm... in order here? A little surprised you didn't have Christian Wilkins as a winner after that uh, after the national championship game. I thought he had a really good game. He played well. I felt like it wasn't necessarily anything we have. He played well, but not overwhelmingly well to where I think he raised his stock. Um, and maybe maybe I'm having a little prospect fatigue with uh, Wilkins just because, boy, he's... I mean, you know, we thought he was firmly going to declare last year, and we're talking about him in the middle of the first and blah, 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 and talking about his options going to the Broncos and what have you. Um, And then he ended up staying in school and making the right decision, uh, even though this is a loaded defensive tackle class. Um, I think he will go in the first round and has closed the season off strong and played really well. Um, But to me, Wilkins... He is who he is. Um, he is who we thought he was, like a strong guy at the point of attack with some really impressive penetration skills and a guy who in a Vic Fangio defense would fit really nicely. Um, credit to us for not saying that until segment number two. And we'll do plenty of prospects that fit Vic Fangio and stuff in the coming weeks and all yeah. that. Um, so have no when, when they finalize their coaching staff, we'll be able to kind of give yeah. an idea of – you know, what's, what's what. Absolutely. And we should probably mention, we have a bunch of questions that we didn't tackle segment one. We're saving those for the final segment. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that Clemson, losers. as far as draft eligible, that kind of closes it out. Hyatt. Um, I thought he struggled a little against Notre Dame. Um, I thought he was actually much better against um, Alabama, though still far from perfect. And, um, yeah, I think uh, to call him a loser might be exaggerated. I guess he was in the loser column after the national semifinal. After the national championship, I think he kind of 
even things out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone took a flyer on him in day two. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I wouldn't be surprised if the hype train kind of picks up on him and he gets taken in late round one. I wouldn't be a fan of that pick, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, it should be said, all in all, he's recovered nicely from what seemed like a brutal injury in 2017 um, and yeah, has salvaged his stock pretty nicely and it's more or less back to where it should have been. It's never going to get back to like Mox being written in August 2017 and the hype is overblown and he's <laughs> being put in like some top 15s. Okay. But where the hype reasonably should be, I think he's more or less restored his stock to get to that point. Yeah, and this is an interesting class, uh, tackle class, because there's a bunch of right tackles that we'll be talking about. Yeah, yeah, and it, it wasn't advertised as such at one point, but it, it has become more and more like that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of right tackles. I mean, guys <laughs> who just played right tackle in college. Not even that we're saying like. Oh, they project to be right tackles at the next level. Like, no, right. no like they, these guys have just been playing right tackles. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not even our projection. It's just what the tape tells us. So, yeah, yeah, it's physically where they've been. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, let's touch on let's touch on the uh, the Florida kids real quick. Um, you've got a handful of them, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, a guy that I think is probably my fourth best corner mm, chauncey chauncey gardner johnson yeah his name the hyphen yep. um yeah who had two interceptions as florida um smoked absolutely smoked michigan in fact shea patterson was a big loser for me um i can't believe i liked him in the summer but hey that goes to show you how much something changes from an off season to when the season ends um he was just tremendously impressive. Um, his ball skills are great, very active around the ball a lot, um, <laughs> uh, tackled tackled well. And what's intriguing about him is he can play in the slot and he can also be a, a high safety. Um, he's been used in various positions in his career with the Gators, and that versatility will do him a lot of well, a lot of good in the NFL for sure. I like him a lot. Uh, I didn't I realize you were this high on him. I think he's. I think. I think he's better than Duke Dawson was last year. Oh, I'd agree with that. So I agree with that. Don't, you know, I mean, Duke Dawson intrigued me, and we'll we'll see on Duke Dawson. But yeah, yeah. I liked his. I liked a lot of his physical tools. I just didn't like how he played football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. Right. We always liked that Duke Dawson was two hundred and ten pounds more than we did. His consistency on tape, for right? Sure. Like what yeah. he did, play to play, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> but hey, yeah. he's two hundred and ten pounds on every play, so there's a chance, right? Right. Can't beat that. Um, yeah. So he really stood out. Had a great game. Um, Florida's running backs um, with Lamichael Pirine leading the way. Um, Samaje's brother, I believe. Um, and he's not built like a tank like Samaje is, the current Redskins running back and former Oklahoma um, RB. But uh, he's more 218 pounds, but ran it really well, just explosive, and was really impactful. Um, 
as a receiver too. Um, and you know, they have Jordan Scarlett too on their team, who I think is pretty intriguing and didn't necessarily have a crazy game, but played pretty well in this one as well. And their O-line stood out to me tremendously. I guess I'm kind of coming around to Juwan Taylor, their right tackle, who, uh, yes, is one of the right tackles we were just talking about. And hey, I'll keep saying it, but Martez Ivy intrigues me, their left tackle and former yeah. like five-star recruit. He, uh, I think people are undervaluing the kid. And if that keeps up, if the NFL undervalues him as well, he could be a really nice value pick later on in the draft like say early day three, if it came to that, or even later day two, I'd be all for a Marta's Ivy pick and he could play guard, left tackle, right tackle. I feel very confident that he's pretty versatile and the skills translate. I'm also a fan. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. Well, and he was a killer against Iowa. Um, Boy, what an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Um, But he's just a marvelous interior penetrator. Um, Special, special, special kid. Uh, You know, two and a half tackles for a loss, a quarterback hurry, and another sack. Uh, Was just a game wrecker in this game against the Hawkeyes. Um, Yeah, his stock has just risen tremendously. Earlier in the season, I was still on the, uh, I think Martez, is it sweat or sweet? I'm blanking now. Jesus. Sweat. Never become a father, guys. Your ability to retain information is lost instantly, I promise you. Um, Yeah, I was on the train of sweat was the better prospect than Simmons. Uh, I was wrong. I'm just fine with admitting that. Um, And I think, you know, there are guys in this class like Draymond Jones, Rashawn Gary. even Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame, who has just such incredible upside. But Simmons still has similar upside and is, has already put a lot of that together. Um, so he's, boy, hell of a prospect. Hell of a prospect. So, yeah, I can't say enough about that kid and what he did um, to raise his stock even further in, in the Bull League. One of the real big winners from the Bull League. Um. On the other side, we had Deontay Thompson, a guy that we have uh, we talked love. about quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, love him. Um, did not, Tough game. not look good in the national final. Um, that speed on offense that Clemson has hurt him, and no play stood out more than that little like hook route where the outside corner completely falls. Feel terrible for that Alabama kid um, who's playing press. You know, they kind of get jumbled up, falls, gets injured. Um, so then this wide receiver is running free, catches the ball, has to come back to the ball. And then as Deontay Thompson is kind of guessing left to come in and tackle him, he just goes right and blows by. Um, so, you know, one just like Jonah Williams, that one play where Clelin Farrell put him on skates won't define his career or his draft stock. Neither will this play for Deontay Thompson, but in general, uh, Thompson and that Alabama uh, secondary did not look good. And um, yeah, it hurt his stock, and he hasn't declared yet like Devin White and a few other big names, and who knows, maybe he will stay on school. We've got to remember Thompson as much as we loved him. uh, 
he's been a big riser this season because he wasn't really starting last year until he got thrust into the lineup um, like in that Georgia game because of injuries and a couple others to Alabama's secondary. Um, but he's still just a one-year starter and still kind of raw and, you know, learning to to pick your spots and take better angles as a tackler is something that he could learn and get better at. I do, uh, <clears throat> I do love the kid. He's amazing. Raw tools are just out of this world, and the attitude he plays with is unbelievable. He definitely has that like classic like safety swagger. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm yes. back here patrolling. Like, what's yep. what you gonna do about it? Yep. Um, a couple of kids staying in school. Uh, guys that guys yeah. that we've talked about quite a bit this year, actually. Mm-hmm. Both Raekwon Davis out of Alabama and Derek Brown out of Auburn, going back for another go round. Yeah, the two tallest defensive tackles in this draft, I believe. Um, really length for days. They are staying in school. Um, you know, going to make life harder on those SEC offensive lines. Um, and look, when you have such a wealth of interior defensive linemen, probably a smart choice by them. Probably a smart choice. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it would disappoint me if it happened at any other position at interior D line. I'm kind of like, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, let's, uh, let's stretch this wave of talent out a little bit instead of just loading up in 2019. Uh, anything else we want to mention? Yeah, Isaiah Simmons in a, a final names to know. Maybe we'll bring names to know back as a segment in uh, the off season. We'll see. Uh, which really isn't the off season; it's draft season, um, which is a an important different thing to to differentiate for our podcast. Um, Simmons is a redshirt sophomore, hybrid linebacker and safety. And uh, I think was one of my MVPs of the final four with how he played both in the national semifinal and final. Uh, He's 6'2", 230. At least he's listed like that. Looks way bigger to me. Um, Flies all over the field. Is supremely physical, but also has some cover skills because of the fact that he's played safety as well. Um, still just a redshirt sophomore, so it's unclear if he'll uh, declare. But I think if he did, we might be talking about a dark horse, late first rounder, or certainly a top a guy who will be in the mix to go in the top fifty. I could not have been more impressed with how this kid played um, against two of the best teams in the country. Um, he reminds me kind of a Dorian O'Daniel, the linebacker from Clemson last year. Um, but he's way bigger, uh, way faster, and just better in coverage. Um, so he plays a similar role, but he's just a true pro prospect, while O'Daniel dropped to day three, you know, and rightfully so. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'd close that out on. Isaiah Simmons, number 11 for the Clemson Tigers a name you must not forget because this kid has talent for days. I was overwhelmed with how good he was. I think that's it for us for, uh, for segment number two here. We got uh, some questions we're going to tackle in this next segment. 
as always, we appreciate the guy, the, the support from you guys. So, uh, we're going to take our last break here and then get to that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. This is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll be right back. Believe it or not, finding the right safe for your needs is an art, and the staff at Colorado Safe Outlet has mastered it. Their team takes pride in their no-upsale mentality and allow the customer to make an informed decision while never being rushed. I would 100% recommend them to a friend because you really never think about how important having a good safe is until, you know, something bad happens. They're the best brands available like uh, Superior and Champion, and they just had really exceptional service and knowledge, which I haven't really received from big box retailers in the past. The Colorado Safe Outlet is looking for a new installer. Drab requires clean record, no felonies, clean cut, strong build, and reliable transportation. Wages start at hourly, but will quickly go to salary if you're fit for the job. Please call Drew Weaver at 303-333-7233 and check out Colorado Safe Outlet today. Welcome back in third and final segment here, the BSN Broncos draft podcast presented by total beverage. Andre, we have awesome listeners. We sure do. Awesome listeners who care a whole lot about the draft right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now that the season is over, I expect this to be relatively normal. So no pressure on all y'all. Right. Right. No, it's just amazing. It is amazing how this draft show has grown and I'm incredibly thankful I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to these questions. So I know you have uh, something to do in a half hour, so we won't keep it too, too long. So let's get into it. Uh, yeah, well, question number one here from Mr. Freeze, a dope name. No doubt. Especially because I've been making a bunch of Batman references in uh, several of my hockey articles. So I'm... I've noticed that. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> It's been on my mind lately, so... Yeah, good. Good. Arnold played Mr. Freeze, right? Ugh, God. Let's not get into that. (laughs) It's a yes or no question. Oh, yeah. The answer answer is, unfortunately, yes. Okay, good, good, good. All right, so Mr. Freeze wants to know, I don't know about you guys, but it makes me so annoyed and disappointed to see the national outlets doing their mock drafts without doing any sort of research at all, at least for the Broncos. I see a bunch of outlets out there saying wide receiver is one of this team's biggest needs when the Broncos sank a lot of draft capital into the position last year. They just see the DT trade and Sanders injury and just default to saying they need wide receiver help. These guys we have will develop and will get better. Andre, you or me? It's not even a question there, is it? Um, I guess not, technically. I have a question for Mr. Freeze. Are these really national media outlets or are these, you know, dubious blogs like uh, SB Nation or what have you, or fan-sided where it's some poor kid just putting together a mock for funsies and and we're getting maybe too sensitive about it? Why don't Why don't you uh, Why don't you start us off, AJ? Uh, okay. Uh, first off, I think uh, the world of both Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. I like both guys. I think they're both going to be solid NFL players. I don't think either one of them is a number one wide receiver. Yeah. It's almost like we had a full conversation about this in private, you and I, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't think that it is misplaced for them to be mocking a wide receiver to the Broncos. I think it made a lot more sense when they were pushing for a playoff spot and they were drafting maybe more closer to like 18. Yes, absolutely. Um, And now that they settled at 10, I would agree that it no longer is a really good fit. Yeah. Uh, With with the quarterbacks being what they are this year and uh, Case Keenum being Case Keenum. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the conversation starts and ends with quarterbacks. Yeah. And then come draft day, if there's other things available, uh, we're, we're, we could talk cornerback, uh, we could talk inside linebacker, we mm-hmm. could talk uh, defensive tackle, yep. um, all positions that will be uh, available and um, and position where they will, there will be an intriguing prospect. You could even talk left tackle with Jonah Williams. Right, 100%. Uh, at 10, I would say they no longer need to talk wide receivers, Yeah, but I would say that uh, another uh, another day two uh, selection of a wide receiver is certainly not inappropriate. Right. And I'm maybe less high on Hamilton than some, but I'm way higher on Tim Patrick and have been since the off season. The most are my question though is, yeah, do you have a legit number one? I think we saw the struggles of this receiving core when Sanders was out in creating separation. Um, we saw, you know, I think there's a general lack of speed from this receiving core. It's no wonder that, when was that, the 2017 draft, we were looking for juice, and we drafted two speedy wide receivers, and it just so happens they didn't work out. But that was a need then, and since Man. those two guys didn't pan out, it is still a need now. Carlos Henderson will forever hurt my heart. Oh, 100%. I mean, because yeah. I thought that kid was a player and I loved his tape. I thought he was going to be so solid. 100%. That Louisiana Tech tape was great. Yeah. All the off field stuff just totally sank everything else. 100%. And so look, disappointing. If Sanders were to be cut and there is an out in his contract and the Broncos could save uh, close to $10 million. I'm, I'm going off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure these are the figures. I apologize if they're if I've missed something. You know, if Sanders were to be cut, yes, I think whether in free agency or the draft, you do have to add a wide receiver because as much as I like the young guys and believe in them, they're still a bit unknown. And I think Sutton, when he got kind of handed the keys to the car, uh, underwhelmed some. And we've seen very little from Hamilton, and it's mostly just getting open underneath. And yeah. that's great, but we need to see more. And Patrick's like, been streaky. And like, Hey, like, turn. Cortland Sutton had 42 catches for 704 yards in his rookie year. Like, that's Pretty respectable, impressive. man. Pretty impressive. You are not going to – had you told me that those would be his numbers at the start of the year, I would have said, hey, all right. Yeah. That's yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I would have said nailed it. Um, but, you and I mean, there are 150-50 balls where you're like, boy, if that ball is just an inch this way instead of that way, mm-hmm. uh, and you give Cortland a chance, those almost 800 yards could easily have become 1,000. You know, um, he really was like four or five deep bombs away from – breaking out uh but you know well, and, getting getting open at the end of the season was was an issue with and and 16 almost 17 yards per catch you know Deshaun Hamilton finished the year with 30 catches but 243 yards uh eight eight yards per catch uh 
that's not going to cut it. That's got to improve significantly. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, I'm surprised it was even that good. And look, it's a great wide receiver class. I think just like the interior defensive line class, you'd be smart to take a flyer on one of these guys, whether it's day two, as you suggested, or you wait day three, at some point you might want to add some depth. And, you know, a lot of that will also depend on free agency and whether you cut Sanders or not and how he's recovering from the Achilles and what have you. In I mean, a mock it's... at 10, it's it's ridiculous. You're absolutely right to be upset. But look, I think this will right. be this will be a, a low key need for this team. Absolutely. And you don't know how it's going to play out, but there's there are. God, there are probably 12 wide receivers off the top of my head that I could think of that I really like in this class for different reasons. And Oh, yeah. 12 seems like a conservative estimate. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i saying just off the top of my head that I mm-hmm. feel like I could just like run down a list and name those guys right now. Yeah. And I would – and one of those guys in round two I would be happy with. Super. Yeah. I mean, I agree. So, you know, but but for for Denver specifically, I think they it's not just like, hey, they need another wide receiver. I think they specifically need a speedster, you know, a, a mm-hmm. more athletic guy. 100 percent. A guy who can create separation and stretch defenses out. That's what we want. Right. That'll open up space for the other guys is a guy who can stretch defenses. And right. That's and keep. round two, we're going to be, you know, a guy like Paris Campbell is going to be really interesting the problem is, is that he's got boat oars for hands. Yeah, an early round two probably too rich for Mister Paris, and you know, with Kubiak being added, uh, tight end might be something you go back to the well for. Even though yeah. you could make an argument, uh, give the young guys another shot, just like you would at wide receiver. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they plug up some holes on offense this offseason. For sure. All right, that might have gone too long. That's okay. Next. It was it yeah. was interesting. Uh, it's it's because it's it's definitely a position that we're going to be talking a lot about. Uh, it's one yeah. that they could definitely fill. And like and, and this, all of these also apply the caveat of this is all happening before free agency, which yeah. always has a dramatic effect on how teams approach the draft, especially with top ten selections. Um, in because it's not just a top 10 selection in round one, but you're also talking about a top 50 pick in round two. So, right. Um, right. And I mean, we, we are two of the poor saps on staff here at BSN who need to write mock drafts for our respective sports. <laughs> and I think can, can sympathize with how hard that is, uh, knowing all 32 teams and their needs and, throwing out an idea based on what's happened and maybe not being exactly on the pulse of what that team needs. Yeah. The other, that's yeah. the other part of this writing mock draft is really hard, dude. Especially in January before free agency. Yeah. It's, like you're, you're throwing blind deal. darts at 32 teams. Yeah. hundred. <laughs> There's not a way to shine a whole too much light on any of them. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, those mocks were written before the new coaches were hired and right. all that kind of thing. It's, it's brutal. Uh, next question is from Mr. T. He says, hey, Andre, I appreciate all the great Broncos draft coverage. Dig deep over the coming months. Uh, I recently yeah, moved from right. Syracuse, so my question for you is about quarterback Eric Dungy. I don't think he's a starting cal- caliber quarterback, but his size, skills, and arm remind me of a poor man's Josh Allen. 
Elway frequently drafts quarterbacks in the late rounds, and since the Broncos have a swinging door back at QB, I think Dungy could fit the bill. He's a great competitor, and I think he'd be counted on to win a few games if called upon. Thoughts? Well, you had some good thoughts on uh, on Eric Dungy, so why don't you start us off here, too? Um, I like him. Um, I'm I'm worried about even despite the size at, at 6'4", 230, yeah. uh, he's missed a lot of games over his career. Right. Uh, this is the first. This year was the first time I believe he didn't miss any games uh, and and actually played thirteen games. Uh-huh. Um, I I like the competitor uh, as as was mentioned in the question. I like that aspect of it. Um, I don't think that he has a, a great arm. He's got major accuracy issues. Yeah. Uh, he's a good runner, good leader, great intangibles. Uh, I like I like him as a college quarterback for a program like say Syracuse. Yeah. Um, I I just don't think that he's translatable to to an NFL offense. Um, I he just doesn't there 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 are too many holes in his in his game. Um. Questionable decision making, too many interceptions, even in college, um, yeah. accuracy issues. It's just not a very polished passer at all, at all. Right, um, and much more of a a classic college guy that can win you a bunch of games because he'll be he's a good college quarterback and the dual threat uh, of him being able to run uh, and and bang bodies and pick up tough yards um, helped him a lot, but it's. It's he's not a guy that I would I would use a draft pick on to be honest with you, right? And he comes from that Syracuse system, which is um, a variation of the Baylor system. Art Browse and those guys ran, and we know how those quarterbacks have struggled. In fact, in a sense, he's like a more athletic Bryce Petty, um, maybe with something lacking in deep ball accuracy, which is not a compliment. Um, so yeah, I, I'd agree with your assessment. I think. Um, just a classic spread, um, really air raid um, college quarterback. But, yeah, I've got some reservations about Dungy. And, um, you know, only so many quarterbacks get drafted every year. And this class has a decent amount of depth um, already. So he's, he's going to have – he's going to be fighting hard to sneak into the, the end of the round. Um, and we'll have – We'll have lots of chances to touch on some guys that the Broncos might target if they choose to go quarterback later in the draft as opposed to early. Um, but love it from Mr. T. Enjoy New York, and thank you for the question, buddy. Oh, he moved. He he moved from New York. Oh, from New York. Yeah, he, well, he he then, bounced. He said, "I'm out." Congratulations. Enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy your freedom. Yeah. Enjoy your freedom. Absolutely. Uh, All right, next question. Craig L. He says, hi, Andre and AJ, if he's there. Hello. Uh, Andre, furthering our little exchange on Twitter the other day about Kubiak as OC and how his scheme fits, especially for Keenum. While this is all good and well uh, for as things stand, taking that Kubiak will be the OC, which QB in this draft could pair up well with him, either for now or the future? Secondly, if you were the GM, which QB would you be taking for the Broncos this year? Yeah, um whether it be on Twitter or in a segment two, three shows ago where we did this, um, you guys are very interested in this. So, uh, you know, they're all spread quarterbacks. So for, for the ideal adjustment, 
um, you know, to to adjust seamlessly, like guys like Deshaun Watson and Mahomes and Trubisky and so on and so forth have been able to, uh, you would want to adapt that Kubiak system a little bit, which he's uh, been reluctant to do in the past. And I know as the concern for most of Broncos fans when talking about Kubiak is that he he hasn't been great in adapting and. Partially, that's why Simeon got to start over Paxton Lynch, was he'd rather a seventh-rounder who can play in his system than a first-rounder with undoubtedly more natural talent mm-hmm. who he didn't want to adjust his system to. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. So with that caveat, in a lot of sense, uh, none of these guys fit Kubiak's system. And maybe you could say Daniel Jones is who fits best because he's the most pro-ready of the class, right? Um, that said, we know how, you know, with old crazy horse uh, Jake Plummer, um, you know, that Shani Kubiak, Kubiak was still there in that 05 AFC run. Yes, I believe so. Um, that's when he, after that, he got his job with the Texans. Um, you know, we saw, and we've always seen, lots of bootleg play action and guys who can get out on the perimeter and throw it with accuracy on the run and when they're outside the pocket um, can can do well. Now, they also need to have some smarts and stuff, or Paxton Lynch would have worked out for Kubiak. Um, so with that type, uh, Kyler Murray would be very intriguing. Um, and to a lesser extent, Drew Locke. Um, but, you know, guys like Will Greer, Easton Stick, even Brett Rippon out of Boise State, I think, would fit the Kubiak offense. Um, so, you know, it's not a simple question to to answer, but those would kind of be, that's my caveat, and those would be my, my couple of names to throw out there for you. All right. Let's go uh, just keep on rolling here. Yeah. Uh, next question from J.D. Fry. Uh, I'm starting to like Kyler Murray a little more, but I feel most of his touchdowns were to absolutely wide open right re- wide receivers. Thoughts? Thanks, Dre. Uh, yeah. Hi, Jared. Thank you for the question. As always, you are an OG, so let's not forget that Jared was here first, guys. Um, sure, sure. In an offense like that, that's so well schemed and spread out in the Big Twelve, um, like like Haskins. Um, like Herbert, like Locke, like a lot of these guys, you are going to see a decent amount of wide-open touchdowns. Same thing with Mayfield last year. Um, That was one of my complaints with him. Uh, What I'll say, though, is Kyler Murray, when when he's in adverse situations and has to squeeze one to the sideline, he can do that. In tight windows, his ball placement is supreme. In fact, his ball placement is as consistently accurate as just about any quarterback I've ever studied. And where this really stands out is in the red zone. Um, Watch him against Texas, where he threads a couple dimes with just a perfect touch on guys who are blanketed, but he puts it on their outside shoulder where only his guys can go get it and nails the throw. Um, So uh, those are my thoughts. I think that he's... He's shown flashes of being pretty damn accurate in tight windows as well, and that's part of what's got me so excited about Kyler Murray and his uh, his potential of being an NFL pro, and I think it's what, what's got so many people excited, and it's why Kyler Murray will declare and 
He might go higher in the NFL draft than he did in the MLB draft. Don't make me mad. He's going. <laughs> he's going tenth. Yes. Yes. Please. Please. I agree completely. I agree completely. Uh, next question, Polly from Waukesha. I always yeah. I always stumble maybe, over this. I really need to look Waukesha. this up. Ooh, I like Waukesha. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, hi, Andre and AJ. I have to believe that the Broncos will not be going after a QB in the early rounds of the 2019 draft due to the tepid class of QBs available. I just don't see them getting excited about Missouri quarterback Drew Locke. So what if Denver decides to go long, build for 2020 strategy? If the Broncos are looking long-term, they may choose to trade out of the 10th spot with a team like Green Bay, who has the 32nd pick in the first round. Green Bay also has the 12th pick, but they likely are going to address their safety needs there. Green Bay would probably love to get Aaron Rodgers a top-notch wide receiver instead of watching the top four wide receivers get picked ahead of them. So they might be open to Denver, open to getting Denver's first pick for Green Bay's first pick next year and a Green Bay third-round pick this year. In what scenario, I could only guess who Denver might pick with the last pick in the first round. Maybe they trade that away too, but the point of the strategy is you're trying to stack first-round picks next year, and assuming Green Bay has another mediocre season, it would be a 10th to 15th type pick in 2020 in addition to the extra third-rounder this year. What do you think, Pauly? So first part of the question we answered, yeah, well, you take a breather after that. Um big uh, like four-part question the first part of the question we kind of answered not kind of we answered in segment one of the whole waiting for 2020 strategy and um while you don't see them getting excited about drew lock that's contrary to reports that suggest uh elway and kubiak were impressed uh the trade down thing is interesting i've talked to some people about this on twitter there's not many teams that need a quarterback that you can trade down to to add picks for the future. So I like that this scenario Polly's proposing isn't for a quarterback. It's for Green Bay to move up for a safety, for their ability to get a safety and a wide receiver. Well, the thing is, that hinges entirely on Deontay Thompson, A, still being available, and B, actually declaring for the draft. Because if he isn't, forget it. There is no pick at 12th that allows you to get a safety so maybe you just go wide receiver at 12th you wait for a safety with that other pick and green bay is not really interested in trading up anytime i hear people proposing let's trade down to add picks for this next year and have this long game strategy you got to remember well how you got to find a partner to trade down and it's not so easy to find those especially if it's, you know, it's it used to be a two-man quarterback class. Now that Murray has seemingly will declare, it's a three-quarterback class. And ahead of the Broncos, you have two teams who need a quarterback, Giants and Jaguars, and then there's the Broncos at 10. So unless there's a team that's really thirsty to get a quarterback at 10 and the Broncos aren't, you might trade down. Aside from that, I don't see tons of scenarios where the 10th pick is going to be that appealing and allow you to haul in, um, you know, a great, like, set multiple first-round picks to trade down. Um, You know, and it'd have to be a massive trade down. You can't just trade down from 10th to 15th or from 10th to 20th and add a future second-rounder. You need to really trade down from, like, 10th to 
32nd, as Paulie was suggesting, and uh, finding a match for that is going to be hard. So I'm a little skeptical about that. I think it's more likely they stick at 10 and take the third best quarterback who drops to them. Or frankly, I think it's more likely that they trade up than trade down. But we'll see. Lots of time from now until April. All right. Let's, uh, I got to get out of here. So let's, uh, let's get to our last question of the day. Um, your buddy Travo wants to know, what do you guys see in the Kyler Murray comparison to Russell Wilson? Yeah. As far as his escapability and, um, ability, quickness to avoid pressure and extend the pocket and that kind of thing. Yeah. Very comparable. Um, Russ, the thing is he came from a pro style system, which Murray does not. Uh, so that made his transition to the NFL much easier than it will be for Murray, who, again, is just a one-year starter, not what um, Russ was. And Russ is also a thicker bill. Um, but, you know, as far as undersized quarterbacks with great arm talent who throw amazingly well on the move and deep and, um, you know, are as elusive as they get, yeah, the, the comparison's right there. I mean, I think that's the natural comp for Kyler even though it's not um, a seamless fit, is that, yeah, he reminds a lot of people of Russ, and he reminds me of Russ in many regards. All right. Andre, any final Ooh. any final thoughts here? This was, uh, this was a long one, man. I, I knew it would be a long one, and I could have added two or three other segments. I think we're all excited for the offseason, and... I cannot wait to continue this. Uh, thank you for taking the time, as always, buddy, to do this. I guess my final thought was would be that now that Broncos season is over, we let the regular Broncos pod take care of all the coaching stuff this week, go to the Friday, which seemed natural, and we're going to try and do that the rest of the year. So now until after the draft, we should be the Broncos pod on Fridays. Um, so try to get your questions in before then. We've loved interacting with you all season and can't wait to do even more of that. So thank you to our listeners and thank you to you, buddy. Always a pleasure. It is always a good time. Uh, I was happy that I could uh, I could be on. And with them, with them, uh, you know, with the, with the season over, I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should not be an issue for me to be on the majority of the shows moving forward. Fantastic. Cannot so, uh good for good 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 time for all of us here. Yeah. Uh before we do get out of here though, I've got to pay some bills. And I've got to remind our BSN listeners that we have uh, some game-changing coffee that we're big fans of. As Strava Craft is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. Make sure that you check them out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. To help decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all not all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. I know we always have it on hand in the office. And so be sure to check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2018. Might want to update that at some point. At yes. checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. So... Strava Craft. There you go. It's the jams. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, I think that's going to be it for for today. Dre, thank you uh, for for having me. It's been fun. 
Looking forward to doing a lot more of this over the next couple of months as we talk about quarterbacks every Friday. Um, so let's get out of here. This has been the uh, BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll see you guys next week.